Kia ora koutou and welcome to New Zealand Anesthesia, the podcast linking Aotearoa anaesthetists with what's going on across the motu and beyond. I'm Dr Morgan Edwards, the New Zealand Society of Anesthetists President, and it is my absolute pleasure to host the NZSA podcast. Whether you are at work, in your office, on your commute or your daily walk or run, we hope that you find it an insightful and informative listen. Here in Aotearoa, we are privileged to have such a highly trained anaesthetic assistant workforce, both the anaesthetic technicians and registered nurse anaesthetic assistants. For the past few years, the shortages that this workforce is facing have been a key topic of discussion for the NZSA and many stakeholder groups. The pressure felt across the motu due to these shortages is prevalent, and it is vital to us that we can support you during this time. Addressing the shortage is complex and will require both widespread strategic and cultural changes throughout the pipeline, from training to recruitment and especially retention. The Southern Cross Registered Nurse Anesthetic Assistance, or RNAA program, began in July 2018, and today the program continues to thrive, with 51 graduates to date now working in private and public hospitals across the motu. Integral to the success of this RNA program is Shan Mitchell, who is joining me on the podcast today. Shan is the clinical nurse consultant at Southern Cross Healthcare. With a perioperative focus, her role provides support across the Southern Cross network of 16 hospitals. Welcome, Shan. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us. Thank you for this opportunity. So 51 graduates, that is absolutely wonderful. How many nurses or future RNAAs are currently enrolled in the programme? So at the moment, we've got 48 nurses training at various stages of their programme and another 10 to be confirmed. And that's just within the next kind of month or two. So, yeah. Wow, those numbers are higher than I thought. That's really fantastic. We saw, um, with COVID, we saw a sudden spike in interest in the program. And I think that was because the uh, pipeline from the UK was just cut off so suddenly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So since then, the program's just quietly, you know, gathering some momentum. But it's been around since 2018, hasn't it? Yes. So we've been going five years. Wow. So I think probably the most basic question is... How does the RNAA program strengthen our anaesthetic workforce? Yeah, so that's a really good question um, and one I get asked a lot. And I think it's really important to say, um, probably back in 2016 when Southern Cross started thinking about this program, the anaesthetic technician crisis was beginning to hit and um, there seemed to be no immediate solution um, available at the time. So... uh, They wanted to um, do something straight away to support our patients and um, prevent them being cancelled. And it was, um, it felt like it was, it made sense to train nurses who could train quite quickly in that role. The intention was never to replace anaesthetic technicians. You know, they're such an important part of our workforce and have been the dominant part of our workforce for the last 50 years. Um, we have absolutely no intention of um, undermining that. They're, they're an incredibly important part of our workforce. So we're just here to support that, um, uh, to make sure that patients get their surgery on time. And so 
I guess one of the things you hear in this space is exactly that narrative around the competition of roles. But in reality, there are more than enough jobs for everybody, isn't there? There are. And, um, you know, despite our numbers, which kind of up at 90 now, there's still lots and lots of vacancies. And, you know, on top of that are all the um, new operating theatres that are being built, um, particularly in the Auckland region. So mm. um, we need to do some future-proofing too. So, yeah. There are plenty of roles to go around. Absolutely. There are all these really beautiful buildings going up. I and know. we need people to work in them. We do. We do. <laughs> so at the moment, how many hospitals do you have involved in the program? We have, um, so in addition to our Southern Cross hospitals, we're currently training in eight of the 12 uh, regions, so the old DHBs, I guess you'd call it, um, with another one that's currently in the planning stages. And... Um, a variety of kind of non-Southern Cross public, uh, private hospitals across New Zealand, about, you know, eight. Okay, so that's quite a broad reach as well. It is. We didn't expect to find ourselves where we are, Morgan, um, <laughs> five years down the line. The program was origin originally written for private surgical hospitals um, for Southern Cross, mm. um, always written with the intent that the nurse would be able to work anywhere because that would be crazy to write a course they could only work in private. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, five years down the track and lots of different sites having um, implemented the RNA program, what do you think makes it work in a particular department? Yeah, so I think one of the key factors for success is that the nurses are taught by anaesthetic technicians. You know, for me, mm. as, um, as a nurse who worked in the anaesthetic assistant role and then did my anaesthetic technician training, I really appreciated that, that it filled some uh, a skills and knowledge gap for me. Um, so right from the start, I've, I think that the quality part of the program is the anaesthetic technici technicians are teaching those nurses. Um, and often when particularly anaesthetists express concern about the quality of the graduates, I remind them of that and that, that they find very reassuring, which um, is great. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, the other thing we've learned is really strong, consistent leadership from the senior management team. Um, with that approach that, look, guys, this is what we're doing. We recognize it's new, but we're going to go down this path because we need to, and we need you to come on that journey with us. Um, a team mindset that sets the nurses up to succeed. So I'm very much about let's put in place an environment that allows people to um, show us what they know so they feel safe when they're training. Um, so that's been really um, important, and we see that in so many hospitals that are training nurses at the moment. And then um, another really important thing is recruiting the right nurses for that role. Mm. Um, yes, it's in the scope of practice for nurses to be able to work in that role, but it doesn't suit everybody. Working in theatres, you definitely need to, to take some time to choose the right nurses, I think. And so then looking at the actual program, can you give us an overview of the program and the skills that the graduates gain? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, when Southern Cross started this journey, they didn't want to reinvent the wheel, so they mm. went looking for an existing program, and they found one in the UK. Um, it was developed by um, NHS uh, for Scotland and written by anaesthetists and operating department practitioners, um, because even though we've got the OD program, ODP program in the UK, they're still short there. So that program has been going about 12 years now um, across the UK. Um, so we took that and um, 
I adapted it to be fit for purpose in New Zealand. Um, so I beefed up some of the content around the anaesthetic machine because um, the anaesthetic technicians here take great pride, and rightly so, in their command of the anaesthetic machine. Um, so all the competencies you would expect to find in that program are there. Uh, so the nurses absolutely understand their role within the anaesthetic assistant team, that they're there to support the anaesthetist, um, assisting them with all the different types of anaesthesia, um, in-depth understanding of airway management practices and equipment uh, and rescue techniques, understanding the management of um, general anaesthetic uh, equipment and performing all of the relevant safety checks, and also really importantly recognising when things are going wrong and knowing what they need to do um, in those situations. Um, so they have a very similar skill set to the New Zealand trained anaesthetic technicians. Um, obviously, there are some slight differences training in a private system to the public system. Um, so it's important that nurses training in private have time in the public hospital system to, to witness some of the um, experience, some emergency situations. Um, we have two pathways now. We did start out with just the full program, which is designed for um, nurses with no prior experience in the role. That takes um, a minimum of 11 months to complete, which is just over 1,800 hours, which is compliant with PSO8. Um, and the second program we've developed in the last couple of years, that's the bridging program. And that's for nurses who are already working in that role. And it's a way for them to credential their practice against the New Zealand standard. We developed that because I think a lot of people don't realise that over the last 50 years, there have still been nurses working in that role in New Zealand who haven't done any formal training. They're certainly trained, but they haven't done PSO8 um, level training. So those hospitals, when our programme came along, wanted those nurses to have that credentialing. So, um, and it was crazy to make them do all the things that they were already doing. So yeah, we developed this programme for them. Both pathways... Um, require the nurses to be assessed as clinically competent so they can actually do the job at the coalface and uh, that they have the requisite knowledge underpinning their practice so they know what they're doing. Yeah, the program fundamentally takes the nurse along that journey from being a novice to being consciously competent, um, I would say. They've got a strong set of core skills um, and knowledge that they can apply to new situations so they're confident about those skills um, and they can think critically about situations that face them. Um, yeah, so, so just as an overview for the full program, the nurse does 100 hours of theory, um, and that's in the form of worksheets and quiz, reflections, case studies, um, multiple formative and summative, summative assessments, and they have to sit an exam at the end and get over 80% to pass that. That's a very high standard. Yeah, and I think, you know, the last um, five years have taught us that we are producing safe competent nurses in the private and the public health system. And I think it won't surprise you from what I'm about to say, but that, you know, so important to all anaesthetists, but, you know, our NZSA members is that the person that's assisting them is compliant with PSO8. And I think that yeah. that's a standard that we as anaesthetists really need to make sure that we do uphold, yeah. especially in the current environment with shortages. Yeah. Um, and it sounds well and truly that that has been... Um, clarified ad nauseum that this program yeah. is, you know, absolutely PSO8 compliant. So not everybody necessarily knows, but I taught the anaesthetic technician training program at Auckland District Health Board for 10 years. So I'm really familiar with 
the anesthetic technician training and PSO8 and how important that is here. Um, and I was very respectful of that when I was developing this program. So um, my very first task in 2008 was to take those Scottish competencies and do a really careful cross-mapping process, mm. which we then shared with ANSCA. And we were given a letter of support at the time from the chair of the New Zealand um, National Committee. Yep. And the clinical hours, again, recognising that it's really important. We, um, The nurses can't... Um, pass the program unless they can prove that they've done those 1800 clinical hours and they're verified. Um, and actually I do have to say, having uh, run this program for five years, I think that's right. I think that's about the right time frame, even for a registered nurse with some experience under their belt to actually learn this role and become confident in those skills. So yeah, we take that responsibility very seriously. That, you know, is obviously spread across three years with the AT training. How does the one-year work with the RNAA program being equivalent? Yeah, so that's a really good question and one I get asked a lot by um, anaesthetic technicians. Hmm. And I think the answer to that is nurses, um, they bring relevant skills and knowledge to that work space. Um, and a lot of the, um, particularly the New Zealand trained anaesthetic technicians, don't necessarily know what a nurse's full um, skill and knowledge set is because they only ever see nurses working in the operating theatre when they're training. Um, but nurses um, come to this space, they've done their three-year nurse training um, and done at least their um, new graduate to entry year. Um, so they're they understand the patient journey. Um, they know about health and safety, infection control, medication management, all of those kind of basic skills that um, anaesthetic technicians need to be taught from scratch. Um, if you take the example of a PACU nurse, say, who does their anaesthetic technician training program, they, um, they know about anaesthesia. They know how to care for unconscious patients and how to manage their airway. Um, they understand about the anaesthetic medications, um, fluid balance, you know, they can care for patients who have invasive monitoring. So they do come with those skills all, already in place and um, we cross-credit those for them. And I think what I often say to the teams that I speak to is for those anaesthetic technicians that now go on to learn the PACU skills, they also don't start at the beginning of the learning curve because mm. they have relevant skills and knowledge to take to that space. And usually when I explain it like that, they get it and they understand that. Yeah. It's that recognition of prior learning, isn't it? I mean, those, yes, it those is. fundamental health sciences um, principles that you learn in whatever yeah. your initial qualification is, um, that yeah. you can kind of almost end up not not taking for granted, but um, almost yeah. overlooking when you start to have these kinds of conversations, but just a really fundamental building blocks of knowledge that you lean on a lot when you're practicing clinically. Yes, I agree. And the new, um, the new degree that's been developed has included those core papers into their program, mm. recognizing that they're, you know, they're key for any healthcare worker. So mm. nurses and technicians share that in common now, which is great. It is great. Mm. Um, and so then when uh, the RNAAs finish their training, they, they're called RNAAs, they're called anaesthetic technicians. What's their... Yeah, so this is a really good question and um, there's lots of confusion out there. Mm. Um, 
I do coach the nurses and the technicians when they're starting this program that we're not training the nurses to be anaesthetic technicians. They are learning the same skill set um, and knowledge, but anaesthetic technician is a protected professional title in law. Um, so mm -hmm. unless you're registered with the Medical Science Council and have an APC, you cannot call yourself an anaesthetic technician. Mm -hmm. um, so the nurses are registered with the nursing council. They can only call themselves a registered nurse. And what, what we say to them um, when they introduce themselves to patients is to call themselves an anaesthetic nurse. Mm -hmm. That is meaningful for patients. Um, and also it's, it's in line with the way, the convention that nurses use to, to describe their roles anyway. So you've got scrub nurse, um, PACU nurse, circulating nurse, anaesthetic nurse. Um, and that's the same in the UK and Australia and Europe. Mm. But, but but that language is still developing. You know, the nurses sometimes still call themselves a tech. And um, I do ask the teams just to remind them that they need to be respectful. They're not technicians. And so, you know, you mentioned about training in the private hospital setting. Mm. How mm. can RNAs be supported in the workplace to make sure they're getting enough training to be well-rounded in their skill set? Yeah. So... Um, Training in private is awesome for tons and tons of practice with fast turnover cases. Um, we do also, I think, and for those technicians who've never worked in private, perhaps don't understand that we do some pretty juicy cases. Um, we're seeing a lot more ASA3 patients now. And, um, you know, we do big joints, spines, uh, big cancer surgeries. So they do get a... They do get, um, a good foundation, but they don't get all those emergency um, cases you, you see in the public sector, particularly around the management of difficult airways, um, mm. fiber optic intubations, uh, the use of invasive monitoring. So what we recommend to private hospitals is that they send all their nurses to um, the, public, the local public hospital for a placement. And that's very much focused on difficult airway management, invasive monitoring, and acute patients um, and the nurses who've done that have found it incredibly valuable. Um, Waikato Hospital has been fabulous at supporting nurses to go and do that training um, and get that experience and we're very grateful to them for that and it's been um, hugely useful to them. And I think that there are some really great examples of RNAA program working really nicely in the AT RNAA workforce working alongside each other. Um, and the example that I keep on hearing about having not worked there myself, but as Tauranga, um, and yes. that that's a really nice example. Um, when I think about perhaps some of the challenges, when you take a step back and look at this workforce shortage, the whole situation is incredibly complex, and at many levels will of course require cultural changes. How do you think that we can support RNAAs who might be having the other experience, having prejudice? Yeah, thanks, um, Morgan. That's a, a good point. So um, I agree with you. It is really complex. And I think this change happened quite quickly as well. So um, the technicians and some anaesthetists felt a bit, um, not sabotage, but like, you know, where's this come from? So I understand why there's been some... Um, concern and resistance around that. Um, it's been a lot for, for, for teams to take on, especially with COVID and also the anaesthetic technicians training, changing from the diploma to the degree. Um, but I think, you know, 
having given this a lot of thought and we've been going five years, I think one of the most powerful support starts with um, overarching leadership from the professional societies. So, you know, it's awesome, Morgan, to have this conversation with you now. Um, I think that will go a long way to um, uh, setting the scene about behaviours um, and acceptance of the programme. So we're, we're supremely grateful for that. Um, and on the same thing, as I said before, strong united leadership from the local management teams, setting those ex expectations about how people engage with the nurses. Um, preceptors can be really influential in this role. So choosing really good preceptors um, is an important piece of the puzzle too. Um, and I do have to say, you know, overall, I've been incredibly impressed with the way the ATs have stepped up. Um, what I've learned over five years is when the rubber hits the road and they actually start training, despite some of their initial misgivings, they just give it their all. Mm. Um, and I feel really proud of the way so many of them have stepped up um, to support these nurses. And actually, mm. their professional differences um, disappear and they become work buddies uh, and they enjoy learning from each other. Um, so... I, yeah, I think I think there is some unrest out there, but actually, you know, when you get down to the nitty gritty, the technicians really step up and they've been amazing. Um, I've got lots of names in my head uh, who've been fabulous um, and their managers know who they are. They know who they are. Mm. Um, yeah, super grateful for that. I mean, that's just so wonderful to hear. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, with both RNAAs and the new... AUT degree program, there is a lot being asked of our current AT workforce in terms of being in different different roles as preceptors and different people that they're learning with or helping learn, having different needs. And so I think that's a really great thing to acknowledge um, how, what amazing work that so many are doing. Yeah, they are. And then, but they're also kind of highlighting the role and the importance of that role in that relationship. Um, and that does come to 80s, but I also think that as anaesthetists, we have a really big role to play as well in terms of setting the tone and how we respond to the people in the learning space, you know, in our anaesthetic space in the operating room. Mm. Yep. We've had um, tremendous support from anaesthetists showing really strong leadership um, and really bringing that anaesthetic technician team along with them. So, mm. yeah, um, it's worked really well. Wonderful. Um, you know, we all know that the anaesthetic assistant workforce is really stretched and also so is the nursing workforce. Um, and the amount of times that I've said robbing Peter to pay Paul in conversations about this is, um, you know, more than I'd care to reflect on. How, I think that it really it boils down to a flexible workforce and that being really beneficial for both groups. Yeah. How do you think the flexible skills that this program offers nurses help support both groups for the future needs of the healthcare system? Well, so um, this is actually where I think it gets really exciting. You can tell by my British accent that I trained in the UK and worked there with a multi-skilled team. So everybody was taught to do anaesthetic scrub and recovery. We all understood each other's roles. And I think um, the huge benefit you get from that is job satisfaction because um, 
it makes your day really varied and interesting and you can flex across roles as you need to. It encourages a real team focus in theatre. Um, and at the moment, I think they can be quite siloed. You know, the anaesthetic technicians at the top end and the nurses um, at the bottom end. Um, so if you imagine um, a situation where you've got, for example, um, a PACU nurse who's done her um, anaesthetic training uh, and she's on a PACU day, they can be called across to um, start a list in theatre mm. if the technician is sick. But also um, if there's a crisis in PACU, that nurse knows immediately what needs to be done and what needs to be prioritised and they can have the airway trolley uh, ready there before the team's even arrived, you know, so... Um, that's really good for patients. And, mm. you know, in theatres with the um, the opportunities now for the anaesthetic technicians to um, certainly circulate in theatre and potentially move into the scrub role, that um, you get that perfect mix of um, lots more expertise in the room. I've noticed um, that... Um, if you can imagine, you know, the AT at the head end, there's a nurse who's circulating. They've done their anaesthetic technician training and there's an airway crisis. Immediately, there's two people who know what needs to be done. Um, and the anaesthetists appreciate that. And I've heard a number of stories where that's happened um, and been noted. So mm. I think what it does is it just, this multi-skilled, flexible workforce will bring the teams together um, and stop some of this kind of segregation that, that we currently feel where we're all fighting our own corners. Um, so I, I feel particularly excited about that. And I think the RNA program has gone a long way to um, normalising um, that flexible workforce and opening the doors for technicians to come and, and join us on that journey. I think that's really true. And my initial thought that that's incredibly, especially beneficial in smaller centres um, you know, yes. where you just gives you that that flexibility, you know, with sickness and um, you know all sorts of things that could be thrown at an operating theatre complex in a work, working week. But then, even our bigger hospitals, we're seeing that impact of workforce shortage on that patient flow um, all the time. And so, just having that flexible workforce, it just sounds like a fantastic solution. It does, and I think you know. Over the 50 years, the anaesthetic technicians have absolutely proven themselves to be really loyal to the anaesthetists. Um, so as they go off on their journey, you know, um, increasing their scope of practice, um, I think that loyalty to the anaesthetist will always be there and that role of the dedicated anaesthetic assistant is not going to, is not going to be diluted in any kind of way. Um, certainly when, you know, the nurses start this program, I'm, I'm very clear with them that they cannot be allocated to the anaesthetic assistant role and the circulating role. Mm. They are very much um, in a dedicated role at the time. So um, I know some anaesthetists have expressed some concerns around the dilution of that, but um, I genuinely don't think that that's going to be, um, that that's going to happen. No. And I think that that's one of the things that we, you know, as anaesthetists are really clear on is that really clear PSO8 criteria, all the standards yeah. around yeah. that having that assistant, that dedicated assistant for the case. When you yeah. are talking to nurses who are considering 
um, going into the RNA program. What do you think some of their key motivators are um, when they sign up for the program? Yeah, so nurses um, who don't work in the operating theatre sign up for it because they're really interested in what happens in theatre. And they, what they really like is that um, team focus. So one patient, one team, rather than um, maybe one nurse, you know, three or four patients. Um, so they like that focus on the patient. Um, they like, they're attracted um, to having that very close working relationship with the medical specialists where they support each other to provide the patient with care. Um, PACU nurses in particular really want to improve their understanding of how anaesthetics are put in. They know how to care for them after that. They want to know the other side of the coin and they really want to um, improve their airway skills. So they, they are definitely very excited about that. And as I've said before, when they go back to their PACUs on their PACU day, they take all that skill and knowledge mm -hmm. with them and they're actually um, growing the knowledge in their PACU team, which is fabulous. Um, the, we get lots of OR nurses doing it now. Mm. And they always tell me that they constantly find themselves looking at the other end going, oh, what's going on up there? That looks really exciting. They see the anaesthetic technicians getting involved in all the emergencies. And, you know, they want to understand that and they want to know how to respond and be part of that rather than feeling like they're, they're kind of on the sideline. Mm. Um, so, yeah, their, their motivations for going into it are um, a genuine interest in, in being in theatres. And what I've really loved out of this program is um, the respect that the nurses have for the technicians because they actually finally understand what they do. Mm. So if you think of – I often tell this story – if you think of a PACU nurse who's never really worked in theatre and they're looking through the window of the door into theatre – and I always say to you, what do you see? And they say, well, we see, we see somebody stood at a sterile trolley handing instruments to the, to the surgeon. And then we see someone else standing with a trolley handing instruments to an anaesthetist. And they're like, that's easy. Anyone can do that. Mm. Um, mm. But of course, when they go in there and they actually learn from the anaesthetic technicians, they're blown away by uh, what they know and what they understand about all of those processes when patients are going off to sleep and having their anaesthetics. And um, I think it's grown a real respect between the two workforces um, and the technicians too. They tell me that they learn a lot from the nurses. So, um, you know, it's been absolutely lovely to see these teams grow together rather than rather than divide, which is what I think everybody assumed would yeah, happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually the opposite. So... I was thinking the other day I was working with, um, you know, an anaesthetic assistant who's also an RN and one of the immense value adds that they bring me is their, um, I'm going to say, much superior to my, to my knowledge of what's actually happening in the surgery because it's something they're used to scrubbing yeah. for and yeah. saying, you know, X, Y, Z still needs to happen. And I might have had a broad yeah. idea about what was still needing to happen before the end of the procedure, but they obviously just have yeah. that intricate knowledge and how working yeah. alongside her actually really enhanced the, the patient care and the flow of the day um, and how much richer the team is for having that increased knowledge being part of the team. Yeah, that's great to hear, Morgan. And I think... Um you know, the anaesthetic technicians say that as well. They're learning about the surgery from mm. the, um, the scrub nurses and, and they feel more engaged in the team. Mm. They feel more engaged in, in what's happening. And um, 
yeah, they enjoy staying in theatre and learning about it. So, mm. yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's really exciting, mm. that, that kind of team focus that's come out yeah, of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for talking through everything with me. One of the things I think is that it sounds like many more places than I necessarily had a handle on are already training, but there are certainly places that might be considering training. Um, And so after listening to this kōrero, whether or not they've got more questions, whether they want to talk to you about or can come through us at the Society and um, reach out to you and also speak to, uh, you know, um, our anaesthetic assistant rep, Dr. Lynette McGoffrin, she's been involved in that um, really great example down in Tauranga or up in Tauranga, depending on where you're listening to this from. Um, And so we'd we'd love to connect conversations um, and, you know, help work towards making this flexible, um, more dynamic workforce. Yeah. I think, yes, the the employers, I didn't say earlier, but Every employer who's training RNAAs has absolutely no intention of stopping supporting anaesthetic technician training. What they're really enjoying is having some choice about the way they train. Um, And I think what it means for them, the RNA program, they can respond quickly to shortages, but the the medium to long term is is anaesthetic technicians. And um, everyone is super excited about this group that's going to be... um, graduating this November Mm. um, and seeing how they integrate into our teams and supporting them through, um, you know, being part of our our workforce um, and boosting those numbers is going to be great. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sean. Thanks, Morgan. And thank you for listening to this important kōrero around our anaesthetic assistant workforce. We all as anaesthetists have a really vital role to play in maintaining standards of patient care and we at the NZSA are committed to actively supporting you and your department in this. Please do reach out for further information in this space or if we can help you make connections. And thank you for joining me today to listen to this episode of the podcast. Until next time, mā te wā.